Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping the week's nerdy news from Mordor to Archer's Peak and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me, as always, is Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? Well, I don't know if you know it, Mike, but right now we are on a Cocaine Bear Appreciation podcast. <laughs> uh, seeing that released to a rousing $23 million this week. Uh, yeah, came in second underneath that, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is that is not true. I don't believe either of us have seen that, although I, I will count myself as a fan because I can't not be. Uh, yeah, I am I am dying to see it, really. <laughs> I've heard it's great. I haven't even gotten there to see it. There were people in the film so... that were dying to see it, too, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Really, it was directed by Elizabeth Banks. I didn't realize oh, really? that. Did you know that? Yeah, that's the weirdest fact I've heard in a long time. Yeah, and then like it wasn't even like uh, promoted as being directed by Elizabeth Banks. No. I feel like, and it, I guess maybe it's because the la- her last couple of movies haven't been you know box office uh, explosions Weird. in a way. Uh, this one seems certainly to uh, be getting her back, uh, getting her back into the swing of things. That's exciting. Um, super cool. Uh, but yeah, Cocaine Bear is out. I can't wait to see it. The other movie that's out and has been out for two weeks is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. If you missed our reaction recap to that film, you can find it in your feed right now. We just finished recording it with special guest Matt Peseta, friend of the pod and host of his own podcast called Heroes of the Disney Galaxy. So check that out if you haven't, if you're into more Disney news, not just Marvel Star Wars Disney, but just Disney all up and down. Pixar, uh Disney Parks, Disney World, Disney Lands, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we had him on because I still have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So as they, it starts off with a non-spoiler discussion of the movie with me asking questions of Steve and Matt. Then it turns into a spoiler-filled um, conversation between just Matt and Steve. So check that out if, uh, if you want to. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, the Ultra you Cliff know. Notes where both of us that have seen it uh, enjoyed it. You know, it's it's not a you know, the home run, but it was a solid, you know, we'll give yeah. it a, in baseball terms, we'll give it a double, you know, it was we'll an extra base hit, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't out of the park. Yeah. I got to say all of like the reviews, the, the mixed negative reviews I've seen, um, coupled with your reaction and Matt's reaction to it have really, I feel like leveled my expectations where I'm yeah. just going in like, all right, let's see what this well, thing that, is, which I feel like is in a good spot. I'm yeah. not like going in like this better be the best Marvel movie ever, which I feel like a lot of people go in to every Marvel movie thinking that right. or expecting that. Well, get I'm wondering if part of my reaction is because I went in with the expectations of nothing. Sure. Yeah. Like, um, did that did that make it so that I, you know, am feeling differently about it and have less of a less of your head less of an aversion to it yeah i don't know um but because we're speaking about this steve i think we should jump to the second story in the rundown because it segues very nicely because we're already talking about ant-man and the wasp quantumania and we'll jump back to our first story but because we're already on topic and this is something that i asked steve and matt about in our uh reaction um episode to ant-man and the wasp quantumania but now we're going to find out why I asked them about this specifically. Not only just because some of the reviews have mentioned lackluster CGI, but a new report from Vulture featured interviews with three uh, virtual effects artists that worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania, 
they all spoke to Vulture under the condition of anonymity and talked about why they're, why the film included lackluster CGI. And this is something that we've talked about on this podcast a number of times. It's been reported by, at this point, at least probably four, five times by major news outlets. And yet no one has asked. I've never heard Kevin Feige talk about it. I haven't heard anyone at Disney talk about it other than Bob Iger reference, not, not really directly referencing it, but maybe we think probably referencing it when he's talking about Marvel slowing down the pace and wanting yeah. to put money into the right places and making sure that the, you know, the, yeah, the money, the money in the right product. places thing was like, yeah, I think you know what you're talking about. I think you know what you're talking about. Exactly. So we've heard these reports of Marvel underpaying their VFX houses and understaffing their VFX teams. So these three uh, people from uh, that worked on Ant-Man Quantumania spoke to Vulture and one of them name, who went who was referred to as Jim. Um, gave I'd assume that was a not lot of, his name. I doubt it was his actual name. Uh, I guess, like, in general, there were quotes, things we've heard before, how they were severely understaffed. There was unrealistically short deadlines. They were working for 80 hours, 80-hour weeks for months. And um, that even in, like, the worst, um, even during all of that, Marvel were pulling VFX artists off of the project to work on other projects, namely Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um so it was a, a, a lot of stress all around. Um, this one artist that was, again, speaking, um, referred to as Jim in the article, he said the following, For Ant-Man, there were a lot of editorial changes happening towards the latter third and fourth of the project that were just too late. And that's something that we've heard a lot from not even just from VFX houses, but just from like actors and stuff, how they start filming the movie before they know what happens at the end or how it ends. And right. that's not a way to make a movie. So he mentions that and says, there's just, there's a point of no return. Why certain things change, why certain notes were nitpicked longer than they should have been. That's on Marvel, but it definitely did cause a lot of tension, turmoil and weight on everybody. He went on to say, a lot of us are sitting here thinking the money is there. Why is it not coming down? Marvel spending a bit more money to pay for VFX people wouldn't make that much of a difference for the executives all the way at the top. But if it comes down to them not being comfortable with their bank numbers and us working until burnout, we lose out every time. Honestly, I equate it to human greed. I think there was so much more potential for this story, for the visual effects in general. I think the movie is getting the reviews it's been getting because Marvel is doubling down as much as possible on constricting quality. They're squeezing blood out of stones and we're out of blood. Damn. Yeah. That that, that, that last part hard. is insane. That's a killer of a quote that the last part. My God. Um so yeah, I mean we mentioned uh we mentioned on this pod last week and we mentioned in the reaction that the reviews for this movie have been mixed to negative um amongst non uh, Marvel fans. Um or even Marvel fans, I guess, or some people are saying it. And a part of that is that there's some dodgy CGI. As you and Matt talked about, apparently there's some really great CGI mixed with some eh, kind of shaky stuff. And maybe yeah. you wouldn't notice the shaky stuff if the other stuff wasn't so good. But still, you see a movie like this, which is, you know, it takes place in another realm, quantum realm or whatever. You want, you know, it's going to be very CGI heavy. You know, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a fantasy land. It's going to look like an alien planet or whatever the entire time. Mm -hmm. You expect the CGI to be great. And then when it's not, you feel like kind of super let down about it, I guess. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean... 
it really it was a roller coaster. I mean, there was definitely some good, there was definitely some bad, and I I never really get worked up over that. Um, yeah, more than, more than most or less than most. Um, yeah. So it didn't bother me that much, but I could definitely see where the where there were nits to pick. I think it's probably because you and I are of an age where we grew up in the early days of, you know, CGI or right. computer animation, as it used to be referred oh, to yeah. as. I mean, we, um, we grew up on the cutting edge of when the Phantom Menace was released, and it's like, oh my god, this is amazing! And now we go yeah. back and look at it, and you're like, that doesn't hold up. <laughs> Yeah, I you know I watch Attack of the Clones with my son for the first time like a month or two ago, yeah. and there's there's scenes in that that just looks like it's on a PS2 video game. Yeah. <laughs> like this looks like a cutscene from an old video game. Yep. Uh, but at the time we were like, well, this is mind blowing, and even stuff like, you know, like sh- uh, shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something. Like at the time, like that looks incredible, but yep. now it looks you know super dated or like Firefly. I don't oh, even yeah. mention just yep. only Joss Whedon shows, <laughs> but. Um, Firefly is the same one, and that was on Fox. That wasn't just CW. That was like a bigger budget show, and sometimes that ship taking off is like, yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. um, dodgy stuff. But like, I, I'm 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 saying this to say that like you and I are maybe more attuned to forgive lackluster CGI in certain situations because we remember we're like, oh, well, that looks they. I mean, that's as best as they could do, right? You know, in two thousand and three, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Close enough is sometimes good, but I feel like a lot of people that are used to like uh, incredible CGI all the time suddenly are seeing like green screen lines yeah. or something, and they're like, Ugh. and I'm like, oh, I grew That's, up with green uh, screen lines, I can <laughs> forgive it. And it's also, but it's also like if you are invested enough in the story, if you're invested enough in the right. characters, and it's easier to be like, okay, yeah, that looks bad, but like I care enough about this that I, it's not taking me out of it, like you said. Yep. The uh, I got. I actually had a conversation about that last night about the our generation kind of being um, more numb to stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I was talking to my buddy. You remember the video game Mist? I PC sure do. Game? Yeah, and how it was just like it was one of the first first person things where you you see the two hands and you're just yeah. walking around. And you got to solve my, puzzles. There's yeah. like no direction. No, no direction at all. <laughs> and in my yeah. brain, I I remember. I remember playing that game and thinking it looked phenomenal. Yes. But I guarantee if we go back and look at it now, it would look absolutely horrible. Like, I fired up Mario Kart 64 the other day. I found my old Nintendo 64. Nice. And I fired it up. And earlier in the day, I had played Mario Kart 8 on my Switch. (laughs) (laughs) And let me tell you, Mario Kart 64 does not look as good as Mario Kart 8 does. Yeah, I can imagine that that's true for sure. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Marvel, pay your VFX people, I guess. I mean, I yeah. don't know what to say. Like, well, someone, we we somebody... touched on it last week, too, though. Like, I think Feige coming out with this slowdown is partly, like, part of that is him, like, him and Iger and everybody else realizing, hey, we done fucked up. Let's take a pedal off this and put out some quality something, or yeah. the wheels are going to fall off this thing. Yeah, because even if you don't want to pay VFX artists more than you're paying them, like, at least give them more time. Right. You know, like, at least pay them shit, but give them the amount of time that they need. Or, you know what? Might as well pay them well. Why don't, what, what if there was a story, what if the next story came out that was like, wow, Marvel paid us more than what we knew, normally do, and we would love to work for Marvel again. Like, wouldn't you love a story like that? Disney? Bob Iger? <laughs> like, maybe make that happen. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. I would. I'd still. I know. I said this last time we talked about it, but I would. I would just love someone to ask Kevin Feige about it on a red carpet or in an interview or just any of the stars of any of these movies. Just ask them to comment on it. To, Have you heard this? What do you think? You know, make Brie Larson be like, "Yeah, it sucks." Yep. You know, you get an A-lister like that, like starting to talk about, "Yeah, they should definitely be paying people more." Then maybe something will change. But until they, they, we get reports like this. And nothing seems to change. I, f- I feel like the slowdown report last week, if you and I are right in thinking that it was kind of like um, uh, that, that, you know, that the VFX troubles in general were part of the reason that they slowed things down. I feel like the announcement that they were slowing things down was in was done in the hope to not get another article like this. Well, yeah. to Disney, <laughs> you got another article like this. <laughs> right. But I don't know. I don't know what else to say other than. Uh, something that I'm excited to hear Steve talk about because I feel like you seemingly know more about this than me. We're jumping back to what the first article was going to be. Not article, but first item on our rundown was going to be. Ladies and gentlemen, days and gays, this week, Warner Brothers announced new, new Lord of the Rings films are in development at the studio. Warner Brothers has confirmed the development of multiple films in the Lord of the Rings universe. Um, there's no story details, there's no filmmakers attached, nothing. They're just thinking about it, <laughs> I guess, or doing something. I don't know, maybe there's a writer, they just haven't announced, just no other information. Um, uh, producers behind the original Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, and Philippa Boyens, have said that they issued a statement saying that they have been kept in the loop every step of the way uh, as this development process has started, and they're looking forward to hearing more about the vision for the franchise moving forward, I think, was their statement, something like that. So I read this, and I said, wait a second. Wait a second. How is Warner Brothers making new Lord of the Rings movies? I thought Amazon bought all that for like a trillion dollars, and they're making a Lord of the Rings show. How can Warner Brothers make more Lord of the Rings movies? And Steve, you seem to know the answer to that, and you have told me, reminded me, but why don't you remind our listeners why Warner Brothers can make new Lord of the Rings movies when Amazon is making a dope-ass Lord of the Rings series and owns a bunch of Tolkien stuff. Yeah, so it's it's pretty complicated. <laughs> Go figure. Um, there are multiple entities that own rights to various Lord of the Rings stuff. Um, it's, it's effectively in four main pots at this point. The Tolkien Estate and Harper Collins own the publishing rights to just about everything book-wise. Sure. Um, Embracer Group owns Middle Earth Enterprises. Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema own some rights, and then Amazon owns some rights. Um, the only, I guess, the only people that technically own anything are the Tolkien Estate. Like they, they own everything. It's just sure. they've distributed the rights to these other groups for um, developing various things. Uh, it's, uh, I think, I think Embracer Group has the rights to develop games and stuff. Um, okay. Or no, is that they, they licensed film rights to Warner Brothers and then some other game rights out to like Games Workshop and like you're seeing Watsy uh, Wizards of the Coast ha- is putting out like a Magic the Gathering Lord of the Rings set. 
um, among some other things. Like there's an RPG that's coming out. Um, so to my knowledge, what it is, is Warner Brothers has the rights to film production of this stuff. Yes. Um, and New Line right. Cinema specifically, uh, which is a Warner imprint, has the rights to develop film for this. Amazon, in their own whatever they bought, has the right, and this is where a lot of the discrepancy on Rings of Power comes up, is they only have the rights to develop television series based on uh, the, the, the trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit, and the appendices to those books. So where they've grabbed all their Second Age stuff that they're developing Rings of Power out of is from uh, poems and stories in the appendices to the Lord of the appendices, Rings. Appendices, not the actual stories themselves, right. which are owned by this Embracer group, which just made a multi-year deal with Warner Brothers, allowing them to develop the more film rights for that film. stuff. And yeah. so that's why, like, the Silmarillion, which deals a lot with the Second Age, the Amazon doesn't have any rights to that. So right. there will be stuff that's in that that they can't use or they have to allude to instead of, like, actually referencing. Um, yeah. And then with Warner, it's going to be, you know, who the hell knows how that's all going to fall out. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Steve, as someone who has read way more Tolkien than me mm-hmm. and has been in that universe for spent more time in that universe than me, I should say. What do you possibly think these movies are going to be about? Uh, is there like is there like a chunk of I mean, the books have been adapted, right? The books have been adapted fairly. Uh, I mean, incredibly well and fairly faithfully. So, I don't, I mean, they left out a little bit, but not a lot. And yeah. I don't I don't think there's anything from the books that can really be spun off into its own story. So, do you have any any idea what new movies in a Lord of the Rings um, series could be? N- not really. Uh, I mean, there's a multitude of things they could do. Um, yeah. You look like, uh, I can't remember who's making it, but the the... It might be. Is it Amazon that's putting out the War of the Rohirrim animated? Oh, that's Warner Brothers. That's, oh, that's yeah. also oh, Warner Brothers. Yeah, yep. that we originally had the question when that came up. Yes. Of like, how, how is Warner still putting this stuff out? So yeah, now we know. Right. So, I mean, that the War of the Rohirrim is literally like the backstory of Helm Hammerhand, who was referenced as the guy who was at Helm's Deep in the books, <laughs> right. um, which is. I, I think that was from, that might have been from Unfinished Tales or Histories of Middle Earth or one of the eight million collections of Tolkien's notes that uh, are out there. Um, like Histories of Middle Earth is like a ten volume uh, diatribe on every bit of his notes. Uh, wow. I just picked up The Fall of Numenor, which is another like collection. It's like a full hard book or hardcover book on yeah. like the collections of his notes for what happened and where the downfall of Numenor that we see in, um, we see in rings of power, uh, the Numenorians, the, the sea, the Island people, um, Mm -hmm. they, uh, like what happened to them and where all of that stuff. And it's like a collection of those notes. Uh, there's the lost road and other writings. There's unfinished tales. There's the Silmarillion. Like there's a plethora of things they could pull from. And, 
who the hell knows? I mean, I, I don't, it's not like I, I, I can't imagine them rebooting the Jackson films or something. I know. Yeah. That would be wild if they just remade those. Cause yeah. I, it would be a lot. It would take a lot to top the level of detail yeah. and craftsmanship that I went into those first three Lord of the Rings movies. And I think that would be a stupid decision. I was going <laughs> to say that. Remake them. Dare, dare I say uh, ill-advised. <laughs> very ill-advised. But is it a thing where, well, like, who's still alive? Like, do you get... Uh, um. I can't think of the guy's name. Why am I blanking on his name? Do you get, is like, it about like Samwise Gamgee or, yeah. or whatever? You know, do you get some of the three of the three hobbits back and do something with them? I don't know. Because um, everyone else went off to the Grey Havens, all the other main characters really that survived. So, yeah. Um, I guess we'll see in time. Um, I'm sure there'll be more announcements when thing, there are things to announce, but interesting that we're getting more lord of the rings content when we have maybe they saw what a banger of a show rings of power was and they're like yo we, we gotta get in on this we used to, we used to make this can we keep making this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um let's figure out a way to make it work uh speaking of things getting made that i'm excited about i guess that's really everything that we talk about on this podcast but, right i mean that's um, literally what our podcast is yeah that's like an evergreen segue i guess <laughs> <laughs> from one thing to another Speaking of things we're excited about that come from nerddom, uh, we talked about this like probably almost two years ago, I feel like. When the early days of this podcast, they announced that there was something was being developed around a property that Steve and I love very much, a comic book series called Something is Killing the Children. And uh, now it's officially uh, being developed into live action at Netflix. The creators of the show Dark, which is also a Netflix show that I haven't seen, but I've heard is wonderful and very good and uh, kind of scary. Um, Baron Bo Odar and Janti Fries uh, created the show Dark, and they recently produced the show 1899, which I guess I heard that was good, but I guess it also just got canceled by Netflix after only one season. Classic I mean, it's Netflix. Netflix. So, yeah. Yeah, um, they have been uh, assigned to uh, develop Something is Killing the Children for Netflix. Uh, Something is Killing Children is an ongoing series from comic book publisher Boom Studios, created by James Tinian IV and Werther Deladera in 2019. Uh, both of those creators will also serve as executive producers of the show. Right, because Tinian needs more on his plate. Yeah, well, you're an executive producer... Yeah, you're just, you're just kind of the, you're there for out. them to give uh, give calls to and say, hey, how bad yeah. are we screwing this up? Yeah, you're getting paid to stop down and just kind of check on and see what's yeah. going on and visit the set and say, oh, this looks great. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, but for anyone who doesn't know something is killing the children, um, horror suspense comic based upon um I don't even know how the hell to describe. <laughs> I describe it. To, I use the trap. I describe it to people as an R-rated Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, I can um, see that. Yeah, because it's like uh, a girl who is trained to kill monsters. Yep. Um, but it's like an interesting. It's a. It's a bit of a different twist where there's monsters that only kids can see. Um, and yes. therefore kids are mostly the targets of them because yep. kids will disturb them more often than adults will, although adults can get killed by them. Um, so they're invisible to anyone other than children. 
she and this other and her the people that have trained her are the only ones that are skilled in cleaning them and then there's like an entire crazy world that you dive into about the people that have trained her mm -hmm. uh, from this house of slaughter uh cult yeah. kind of <laughs> and like you yeah. get into like the weirdness that goes on there um and sometimes she is with them and sometimes she is against them and i don't know uh it's great erica slaughter is the name of the main character she's a very interesting character from a very interesting history and uh you know it's one of those characters that is going to do the right thing regardless of the harm that comes to her even though she doesn't really want to do the right thing sometimes. Like she knows like, oh, this is going to suck. This is going to be terrible. I'm going to hate this, right. but I need to save I, this kid. Right. I know there's backlash coming, but I got to yep. do this. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I could die any second, but I need to keep going. Um, cause I need to keep saving as many people as possible. Uh, it's great. It's very like, it's dark. If you want to read the, like I highly recommend this series cause it's an incredible read. Every time I read it, it's like I've forgotten how much I love it. It just it, like reinvigorates yeah. my love of every every issue. I'm like, oh yeah, this is incredible. <laughs> it's like it's been a month since I've read this. I forgot how much I love this. Um, I highly recommend it if you're into um, horror comics. But again, it's sad. It's called something is killing the children. So For you know, buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but it's great. There's uh, collected editions of it out. You can check it out pick it up it's great it's blowing up it's it, be, it easily became one of booms possibly their most popular title like and immediately after it was right. released i think um and, and uh as we found out was it last week or two weeks ago you pointed out to me that um i own the first issue of it which is worth yeah. a few hundred dollars apparently which yeah. was i did not know um but yeah very popular very popular title so check it out i i Th thanks jeff <laughs> uh, yeah i am excited to i'm excited to see this in live action for sure part of me kind of wants it to be a movie other than a series just because i know like you know netflix is going to cancel it after like two seasons if, right you know look what they did with why well that was yeah FX, but well that was hulu but you know netflix just stranger things is like the only show that's had more than like three seasons of anything and i feel like they cancel stuff forever you know all the time after season two um but uh I'm excited. I hope they do it well. I guess that's the only thing. I, that's the only thing you can hope when they ever announce an adaptation of anything is that you hope they do it well. Um, and I feel like it's, it might be hard to do this well if they're a little skittish about leaning into the uh, blatant horribleness of the source material. Oh yeah, like if they if they try and do this without a hundred percent just leaning in, then it's yeah. not going to be a success. Yeah, if they try to PG-13 it, it won't be as good. No. I mean, I don't think it'll be as good. It could be. You know, it could be one of those things like, you know, like I always say about Umbrella Academy, where it's radically different than the books, but it's a better, like the adaptation on Netflix is a better series than a direct adaptation of the books would be. Like the comics are great, and they can do certain things, but TV can do other certain things, and you have to make changes. And in the case of Umbrella Academy, I think they made good changes. But for something like there is, this is a pretty straightforward story. Yeah. Uh, Especially not the much. first, like the first collected, like the issues one through six. Like, yeah. You, yeah. That first yeah. arc is a very self-contained uh, lean into it hard. And it is yeah. a horror. And then you're kind of teased as to where is this going? Right. And all the house of slaughter stuff that I mentioned doesn't happen until you get yeah, way well further in. That. 
um, we, you know, which I'm sure would be different in a television show. Right. They'll probably bring that a in a little version. closer to parallel, and yeah, or they'll hint at, they'll tease right. it at least. Lean into um, Aaron and all that. And, yeah. yeah, but I, it seems like this is such a simple story at, at its core. It's a simple. It's like a girl who or a young woman or whatever who fights monsters and saves right. a small and is, town and is the only person besides the kids that can see them for some reason i can see and them you figure things yeah, out like, as it goes on yeah it's very simple story so like changing it too much or adding too much more or whatever might ruin it so yeah. i'm nervous but i'm also excited that i get to see it in uh in live action for yeah. sure so if anyone's so. local and wants to collect editions get a hold of me uh Kate, I know you're listening. I will get you the other ones <laughs> after uh, next next time you're. Uh, we we have a book exchange. <laughs> yeah, um, or you can order them from your local comic book store. Um, in our case here, it would be uh, Funky Town Comics. If any of our local friends are listening, go to Funky Town and ask them to order you the collected edition of Something Is Killing the Children, yeah. and they will get it for you. Which they can now so, order um, uh, graphic novels. They said so. Yeah, absolutely. Our, our friend Dave Pwinski ordered uh, volumes three and four of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Nice. Delivered uh, it. So, yeah. So, check out Funky Town Comics if you're looking for, you know, anything Absolutely. comics related. Sorry, Funky Town Comics and vinyl because mm-hmm. they have vinyl also. Uh, moving into a galaxy far, far away. Interesting quotes from John Favreau. Sorry, did you? Was that funny? Was my segue funny, Steve? Oh, Hold no. On. I was just laughing that we were talking about Mandalorian after my faux pas earlier. Oh, yeah. Steve texted me asking me if I had seen the new Mandalorian earlier today. Yes. Because in um, my calendar, I had it as debuting on Wednesday, and I had been freaking out because I hadn't been able to watch it yet. Yeah. Nope. You're good, buddy. (laughs) You got another week. (laughs) This week. This week, we have the new um, season premiere of Mandalorian Season 3. I'm very excited about it, I gotta say. Uh, Giving an interview, uh, creator slash director slash showrunner John Favreau. Uh, was asked about season four, and he said, season four? Yeah, I've written it already. We have to know where we are going to tell a fully... uh, We have to know where we are going to tell a fully formed story. So we had mapped it out, Dave Filoni and I. Dave Filoni is... If you don't know Dave Filoni's name, you're uh, less of a Star Wars nerd than you think you are. Dave Filoni is the guy that was showrunner for Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels and all these animated stuff, and he has been uh, working with John Favreau on Mandalorian and Boba Fett and Obi-Wan and all this stuff. He is Mr. Star Wars. And this anyway. is John Favreau, gutter himself. Yeah. PCU. Yeah. Happy Hogan himself. He has come a long ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyway, so uh, we had mapped it out, Dave Filoni and I. And then slowly you just write each episode. So I was writing it during post-production. I think he means post-production of season three. Uh, because it all has to feel like a continuation and one full story. And he's doing Ahsoka, he meaning Dave Filoni. He's doing Ahsoka. He's the showrunner for that series. So to understand what's happening on that show, or even Skeleton Crew, all these shows take place in the same Star Wars time period, so there's a lot we have to keep in mind. So, and he, he also mentioned in a separate interview, I forgot to put in the, the rundown, that they, he does not have an end in mind for Mandalorian. He's just going to keep writing it until it's time to end the show, and then they'll figure it out. And I, yeah. I feel like some people, I guess that angered some Star Wars nerds because we know what happens when you don't have an end in mind sometimes. But I feel like with a, a series like this and creators like the ones we've had, then I'm not worried about Mandalorian having a shitty... Well, and also ending. it's a consistent 
uh, person that's on it. Like, yeah. Ever and Floney yes. are on it. It's not like uh, what we saw with the mess of the sequel trilogy where it was like, oh, you get a piece and then you get a piece and then we're going to change back to your piece and like, yeah. how does this work? Exactly. Um, so yeah, he's already written season four. That's exciting to me. That I mean, I mean, people are people are like, oh, they don't have an ending, but yo, season three is just about to happen. And he already knows where season four. Like, this is a guy that thinks ahead, so settle down. Right. Like he knows what's going to happen. Um, and that's like, I know this is really exciting. I'm like, I think I mentioned on a previous episode that I recently rewatched a few episodes of Mandalorian season two and a few episodes of Boba Fett. And, uh, you know, Boba Fett's not great, but the Mandalorian stuff is really good. And man, the episodes of Mandalorian I watched were like, this is just the best, the best yep. show. Yep. <laughs> like, it's certainly the best Star Wars show. I mean, no, sorry, Andor is better, but like, um, man, Amanda was so good. Yeah, it's, it just, really it's, it's just like I forgot how good because it's been like two years. Yeah. It's been so long. Since we've had a new, and we forget because he was such a big part of the end of Boba Fett, but it's been two years since Mando season two. Right. Well, and, and it, when they said Boba Fett was going to be Mando season two and a half, I don't think anybody <laughs> took it nearly as literally as we should have, apparently. Yeah, for sure. Also, how weird is it going to be for people that didn't watch Book of Boba Fett to come back and yeah, Grogu man. is magically back with Din and chilling? I had to tell I had to tell my sister because they did not watch Boba Fett, but they watched Man. They like yeah. Mandalorian, and I was like. You gotta watch the last three episodes of Book of Boba right. Fett. You don't, don't have to watch, to watch all six. You can if you want, but the last three, you won't know what's going on. But it kind of won't. You'll kind of get it because it won't really matter in the end anyway. Yeah. But um, no, that's probably the best tech to go about it. It really is. Just you can just watch the last three because the the fourth one or whatever is like the Return of the Mandalorian. Yep. And then the following episode, I think, is the one. The the, the four. No, I think for Boba Fett is when he comes, it's the return of the Mandalorian. He realizes he gets kicked out of being a Mandalorian because he admits that he removed his helmet and then he goes to Tatooine to build the new ship, mm. uh, yep. the boot starfighter. And then the one after that is jumps back and around between Boba Fett on Tatooine, but also Luke and Grogu training and um, Mandalorian meeting Ahsoka and R2 and like to all that kind of stuff. That's an insane. Yep. And wait, that's a yeah that's the fifth episode i think and then the sixth episode is whatever i don't know the numbers yeah. but it's the last three and the last three is the big finale where it includes uh not only boba fett riding a rancor through moss espo which is awesome but also um the re uh, reunite reuniting of mando and grogu nice which is great um so anyway i don't know i just talked way too much about something other than what we're supposed to talk about but uh um, I'm excited about this and season four, they're saying they're all, it's all, all also possibly that they're going to shoot it, start shooting it this year, like fall of 2023. Oh, they might start actually rolling cameras. So like production is, uh, close. Yeah. That would bode well for not waiting two years in between it again. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I think Rosario Dawson said something about Ahsoka coming out this fall. There's no official date, but she thinks it's going to be fall 2023, which I think is kind of what we were thinking. Yeah. Um, um, speculation corner. Okay. Uh, I mean, Natasha Lou Bordizo has been popping up a lot and a lot of like around lately in like press circles and whatnot. You think Sabine makes an appearance in Mando? Oh, 
thank you for reminding me of who that was because you said the actress's name and I did not remember. Um, Somebody's got to teach him how to use the dark saber. That's a wow. Yeah, that's a really good point. And he's going to Mandalore. Yeah. Um, I. I think it's possible because I think I, I'm. I probably mentioned this on a previous episode, but I really think that with Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Skeleton Crew, and Ahsoka, they are all said to take. T- like he just said, they all take place in the same time Star Wars time period. I feel like either within a within a series, within one of those series, or they're going to announce like an Avengers style. Star Wars team up miniseries where it's Mando and Fennec and Boba Fett and Ahsoka and Sabine and you know whoever else. Right. Um, obviously, this is discounting Andor and Obi Wan Kenobi, but um, like all of those shows that take place in the same time period, I feel I feel like they're we're gonna get more crossover. And clearly, we got a lot in Boba Fett, but I think we're gonna get more. Right. I think that's gonna be a consistent thing. I guess. So I think yeah. it's very possible. I think it, I think it's possible that we will see. So like Ahsoka is if Ahsoka's in the fall, if Mando's coming out in winter, and then we'll get Skeleton Crew probably spring or summer, and then we'll get Ahsoka in the fall. I feel like we're going to get characters from those shows popping up in each other's shows. Yeah, it's just not so like ham fisted, but just like a, it gives you a little thread. Like, oh, this is Sabine. Oh, now I'm watching Ahsoka. I remember that character from right. when she was in Mandalorian season three or something like that. So, Can't, Well, kind of um, like Ahsoka popping up in Mando season two. Exactly. And she's in Boba Fett too. Right. So that's like, hey, for those of you who didn't watch Clone Wars, here's this character. Remember this character. Here's she's this in two character of these shows that anyone watched. that's watched Clone Wars is like, this is one of the best characters in Star Wars. Yeah, dude. I know I said this to you yeah. uh, recently, and this is a tangent. But I am I really am taking back all the negative stuff that I said about Clone Wars season one because I'm rewatching it with my son and I know that the fact that I'm watching it with him definitely like makes it a little easier because he's excited and that is easier to watch. But there's so much cool stuff that's happening yeah. in Clone Wars season one that I, I don't know why I was I'm, I'm watching it, like why was I down on this like. I think it's all expectations. Like you go in, you hope there's just going to be Anakin and Obi Wan, you know, wrecking shop every episode, right. and it's not. Of course, well, it's not because that's not what Star Wars is. Yeah, that's what everyone wants Star Wars to be, and it's not what it is. No. And you're like, you don't know who Ahsoka is. You're like, she's kind of annoying. Why do I have to put up with this character? And like, you're they're trying to make me care about clones. Like I've been told since I was a child in the original trilogy, troopers are evil. I don't want to like them. I don't yeah. care about them. Um. But then, like, go, now, I know I said this on a previous episode, but, like, watching it again, you're like, ooh, that's Ahsoka Dano. This is yeah. the first time she's meeting Anakin. or Like, that's exciting stuff. Or, like, oh, yeah, Captain Rex. I love him. This is, like, the first time we're seeing Captain Rex. You know, by season seven, I loved Captain Rex. But oh, in the yeah. beginning, I was like, who is this guy? I don't care about him. Um, but my son immediately loves Captain Rex. He keeps asking me, is he going to die? Is he going to die? I like him. Is he going to die? Yeah. So, you know, give it a, I'd say, you know, Star Wars is all expectations. I've said it a million times. So, people, if you're out there, trust me. Try watching it again. You, well, there was a, there's I some mean, episode where one, you've got Domino Squad, like the the whole Domino Squad arc, where you're yeah. you're introduced to Echo, who's still in the Bad Batch. You're introduced to yeah. Fives, who was one of the main players throughout the Clone Wars. Like, yeah, there's there's a lot 
uh, a lot of setup yeah. that now that you're invested and you're back watching it, you're like, oh, okay, this all makes sense as to why all these pieces and breadcrumbs are here. Yeah, but man. The first time, yeah, yeah we watched was, the first time. I, I'm with you. It was like, why? It was why do I need slog. to care about this? Like, I just need to give me the Obi Wan and Anakin going on an adventure thing. Exactly, and that's exactly how I felt the first time. And now, I'm just like, this is good. This is really good. Like, there's some episode where like Anakin and Ahsoka have to like rescue a rebel or a, sorry, a, a rebel, um, a republic cruiser that's like under attack or something and anakin like jumps on a super battle droid and rides it down into like a hole that's been blasted into the side of the ship and just whips out his lightsaber. i was like that's awesome and then two seconds later ahsoka and rex crash a gunship through the same hole let's just drive the <laughs> ship into the other ship and just jump out and start wrecking battle droids i was like this is incredible. Yeah. Like, why do I like this? This is awesome. This <laughs> is the coolest stuff ever. And like you said about Echo, like you meet Echo in like episode six or yeah. seven or for the first time. And I didn't realize that. And I was like, oh, sheesh. And like, it was a, it was like an attack episode or something. My son goes, is Echo going to die? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that question, buddy, because <laughs> he does. And then he comes back to life. And right. that's like, you know. So it's like we'll get there in season six. We'll. Well, I out. was I was glad that we were able to ease his mind the other day about Rex by showing him the picture from Endor. And you blew my mind. I did not know Captain <laughs> Rex was in Return of the Jedi. He I mean, not, they didn't know be, that yeah. when they filmed it, but. Yep, they retconned uh, retconned the old man in Return of the Jedi to be Rex. So apparently, uh, one of the. Um, rebel troops on Endor has like a long white beard. Which, if you've seen Captain Rex in his appearance in Rebels, he's older and he has a long white beard. And they're saying that that's now they're, like Steve said, retconning it to make that that Captain Rex was at the Battle of Endor. I think that's super cool. And um, my son was worried that Captain Rex was going to die. And Sam showed him or uh, Steve showed him the um, Steve showed my son, Sam, a picture of the old man at Endor and said, that's Captain Rex. He survives. It's okay. Don't worry. He'll make it. It's okay. He'll make it. He'll make it. All right, moving on. We got a uh, a quick deep story. Um, Dead Boy Detectives, which is a series that was going to be um, developed for HBO Max, is now moving to Netflix. Um, this is the first of any of these, like, you know, when HBO Max, when Zaslav started, like, announcing all these changes and, like, this isn't moving, like, the animated Cape Crusader series isn't moving forward, but it's going to go, we're going to sell it to another network, basically, or whatever else. This was the first one of those that we knew was going to be pitched elsewhere. Um, but it's actually found a home. It's insane to me that Batman the Cape Crusader has not found a home yet. Like, someone's got to pick that up. Because right. if, if I see that show, I'll be livid. I'll be livid. Um, and other stuff, too. Uh, and I guess sure I wasn't sure if this was still happening. Because we know Doom Patrol got canceled. Titans got canceled. You know, they're canceling all the other stuff um but this one apparently is going to survive and it uh, is bought by netflix which is interesting because netflix also famously owns currently rights to make a series about the sandman uh, doing a second season of the sandman um took and long enough to announce that what's that i said it took them long enough to announce that oh i know yeah crazy but you know as an expensive show sure and, you know, so they want to and Netflix clearly likes to pinch their pennies 
as we talked about earlier. So they, I think they just definitely wanted to make sure that it was going to pay off. And I think it is. But the ironic thing about Dead Boy Detectives going to Netflix is that Dead Boy Detectives are characters that sprung from a story from Neil Gaiman's original Sandman run. So um, uh, I guess that's cool that they're both in the same network. It's almost like, it's almost like DC is like all the weird Sandman stuff's going to go to Netflix. Like if, you know, maybe that's our Elseworlds <laughs> home. Um, but uh, I guess this opens the door for a possible crossover. You know, if they're going to introduce those characters in the Sandman series and then use the same actors, they could on the on the Deadpool Detective show or, you know, I mean, they could do whatever, I guess. But uh, something tells me I, that we will not see that, that they're just going to keep their thing separate, I feel like. Um, unless the team behind the Sandman like had that in mind specifically, then I, th- I, I don't think they're going to, they seem like they're very specific about what they want for that show. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to change their plans just to get just for like a, you know, PR crossover for a different show. So, but um, I'm glad it's still moving forward. It's a weird uh, concept and I don't know. I'll be interested to see it. Cause it's not something that I'm like just out of my mind excited about, but, um, I'll definitely check it out if it looks good for sure. So I'm glad that that's still moving forward in some shape or form. Um, got some comics news as well. Or not like a news, more like an announcement um, that there's still good in the world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'll say that. Um, Steve, uh, I feel like you must have, you're, you're not, necessarily online maybe as much as i am but you must have known about the craze of ai art artificial intelligence yep. developed art that uh, happened a couple months ago and still kind of going on um but uh this is like a whole flare-up that uh was making making independent artists or not independent artists nervous that you know if some people can type a couple words into an image generator and get these uh, crazy images uh, for free, then, you know, why are they going to pay actual artists to do any work? And um, fear like that was, um, you know, uh, justified by uh, stories like this. Um, a woman named uh, Chris Kashtanova created a comic book called Zaria of the Dawn using image generator Midjourney and was granted, initially was granted a uh, copyright protection from the U.S. Copyright Office for that book. But fortunately for artists and comic book fans everywhere, um, once it was discovered that this book was created using mid-journey artificial intelligence, the U.S. Copyright Office re, uh, revoked their uh, protection, copyright protection, uh, reversed their decision, and issued a statement saying the office will not register works produced by a machine or mere mechanical process that operates randomly or automatically without any creative input or invention from a human author. So that's really good news (laughs) that you can't get a copyright for your work if you uh, didn't have a person create it because that was just a road that I really didn't want to go down. Yeah, no, I I mean, it seems... It seems like it's common sense, but it's good that it was, you know, held up in court. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, as much as I love DC Comics or love Marvel Comics or whatever, like, at the end of the day, those are just owned by two of the biggest corporations in the world, (laughs) you know? 
So, uh, corp- what do I know about corporations? They love um, not paying people. So, you know, if you tell the executives at Disney, I don't care how big their heart is, you can save this amount of money if you start generating AI art versus paying um, an artist to draw Spider-Man or whatever, and you can just do a whole comic book like this. Uh, I feel like at some point, they're going to go with that decision and stop paying people. Um, but I I just got to give it to the U.S. Copyright Office for making this decision because I think it calmed a lot of people's nerves about the possible future there. Yeah. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. Um, yeah. Oh, well, because could have gone I guess very wrong, but one... I guess can't go wrong after that's been ruled. Yeah. And I, I guess I should say the one piece of information that we didn't say, we in case in case people haven't heard about AI art and what it is, it's basically this image generator like called Midjourney. You just type in like a description of what you want and it scans every image like on the internet and kind of combines pieces of them or whatever into a new, new quote unquote image. So it's basically stealing art from the rest of the internet, published art, publicly available art, stealing possibly copywritten works and creating an image using guides from those styles or those works or whatever so it's just stealing art from other artists right. instead of buying it to make other stuff so that's why it, that's why independent artists were nervous like oh am I going to be irrelevant and also is my stuff being used for um, someone else to get money off of without yeah. me getting the credit and that's that's the bullshit that um, Steve and I were worried about so thankfully not moving forward just wanted to make sure that that explanation was out there people were confused <laughs> as to why we were so happy it wasn't happening um moving on into comics this week at your local comic book store this is a bit of a longer list than i normally put on here but here we go ready action comics number 1052 batman beyond the white knight number eight that's eight of eight that's the finale of that series batman and robin number five i think that's also the finale of that series blue beetle graduation day number four Buffy, The Last Vampire Slayer, special, number one. Castle Full of Blackbirds, number four. Cosmic Ghost Rider, number, I didn't write it down, um, but I think one. Sergeant Rock versus Army of the Dead, number six of six, the finale of that series. Uh, Detective Comics. I, I did also misread on the rundown Castle Full of Blackbirds as Castlevania Blackbirds, and I was much more intrigued with that title. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe someday. Yeah. Um, but until then, we got Detective Comics 1069, Hollow's Eve, number one, Harley Quinn, number 27, How I Became a Shoplifter, number two, Human Target, number 12, I believe, the finale of that series. I don't know why we have so many uh, series wrap-ups finales, yeah. this week, but yeah. Uh, all your pull lists about to get a little bit lighter. I am Iron Man, number one. I hate this place, number six. I read the first couple issues of I hate this place. And I thought it was great. And yeah. it's one of those things where like, I was like, eh, I'll, I think it was just the first issue. I was like, eh, I'll pick this up and see what it's like. And I read it and I was like, I will, you know, classically yeah. sat on my pull list for weeks or a month or whatever before I actually read it. And then I actually read it and I was like, oh, this is really great. I wish I had read it when I bought it. So I could have bought the second and third issue already. But, yep. you know, been there. Um, too late. Too often. Anyway, check out. I Hate This Place, number six. Magic the Gathering, number 24. My Little Pony, number 10. Phantom Road, number one. Riddler, year one, number three. Rogue and Gambit, number one. This is one I've seen tons of ads for. Yeah, they're um, pushing big that Big new X-Men spinoff. 
uh, Rogue and Gambit, number one. Shazam! Fury of the Gods special Shazamly Matters, number one. Special uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods tie-in, as that movie's coming out less than a month. Skull and Bones, number one. Spider-Gwen Shadow Clones, number one. Star Wars, number 32. Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca, number 10. Star Wars Hidden Empire, number four. Star Wars The High Republic, The Blade, number three. And Star Wars The Mandalorian, number eight. Guys, that's not even all of the Star Wars books that are coming out this week. I just thought it would be funny if I put on six of them. Tim Drake, Robin, number six. Venom, number 17. Where Monsters Lie, number two. And X-Force, number 38. So many comic books. Yeah. All the time. So many comics in your local comic book shop. Check them out. Steve, have you read anything this week? Anything worth noting, talking about? Or are you excited about anything you're about to read? Uh, up on Yoda. That dropped last week, and I finally... Well, nice. I'm, I'm back up to caught up with that. Uh, and I think I mentioned uh, in the pre-roll, did pick up uh, the number five of Batman and Scooby-Doo, as well as a couple yeah. of the prior issues. So my son is extremely happy this week. Nice. <laughs> uh, my son has started talking about um, wanting to sell some of his comic books to like get like like have a lemonade stand in our driveway. Oh, yeah. But instead of lemonade, he sells comic books. And I was like, uh, well, one, I think it's hard to sell comic books for a profit to yeah. people unless they're especially like, at a roadside. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was like, and dude, and then the, the nerd in me was like, no, we have to keep these forever in the basement in a bag and a board. <laughs> Duh. I don't care that you ripped the cover in half. We're keeping it. Right. I don't care that Scooby-Doo number 210 is never going to be worth anything. Like, we're keeping it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I found, so, a, like, in the pile of things from my childhood, I found a random, I think it was like a Thor 267 or something that had no cover. I had to figure out what the hell issue it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, I think this is something, I don't know. But yeah, it was know. completely coverless, front or back. It was just paper. Yeah, you never know. Like, why did I know. keep this? I don't know. But you didn't sell it. You didn't try to sell it at a lemonade stand it's on true. the side of the road. So. Hopefully he'll uh, forget about that idea. Um, I am current on Flash One Minute War. Still pretty cool. I like it very much. Um, they do a lot of fun stuff with like, like Superman was introduced kind of in this issue. Yeah. And, it, you know, there's like a race of aliens taking over the world, basically, but in Central City where the Flash is located and the entire Flash family is working like the the aliens also move at super speed and when they set down so like it's only the aliens and the flash family that are you know the flash family is the only one that can move at the same speed or even faster than like the aliens so they're on the same playing field everyone else in the world seems like they're frozen in place because everyone else is moving so fast that everyone mm -hmm. else is frozen except superman who is moving fast but still can't move as fast as the Flash right. family. So they're have, trying to have a conversation with him, and he's just saying, Whoa. the thought, the <laughs> bubble's like really drawn out. That's awesome. And they're like, oh, Jesus, this is going to take forever. But, you know, it's just funny. Yep. Um, so I'm caught up on that. I finally read Batman One Bad Day, Catwoman, which was like that the was, one that came out that last great. month. I really liked that. I yeah. thought that was great. I thought that was really, really good. I read that last night. Um, Clayface, I haven't picked up. I have the Clayface, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah. And I think um, Clayface is the second to last one. I think there's a Razagul one oh. next month, and I think that's the final one. And it's Tom Taylor, I think, is writing the Razagul one. So. Oh, nice. 
Should be good. Um, yeah, I think the only other one I didn't grab was Bane. So. Oh, Bane was good. Yeah. Uh, it was different than I expected. Hmm. It was like the, um, him. I guess there's there's been development on Bane that I was not aware of, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, in yeah the I never book, really so. got into Bane as a villain in general. Like, even, he... even in Dark Knight Returns, it's still like. I don't Rises. Know. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, I think I combined like four Batman movies in that title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he's. He's like kind of a hard character to get right because sometimes you lean too heavily into the fact that he's jacked and is some in some iterations in classic iterations jacked because he's injecting himself with like a drug, right. an experimental thing. Um, but he's also like a brilliant strategist and mastermind. I think he's brain and brawn. So I feel like some people sometimes it's easy to lean into the luchadore mask, muscle bound, mm-hmm. punchy guy, and not the no, I've played you from the beginning kind of guy. Um, Which actually, like, Tom, he was a big part of Tom uh, Tom King's run on Batman. Um, And I think he wrote to the the mastermind, like, very well. Nice. Um, But anyway, I'm way off tangent talking about Bane now. But, uh, yeah, the one bad day Bane was pretty good. Um, But, yeah, that's all I've read, I think. Again, this February thing is taking all my time so i am looking forward uh, to that uh, high republic the blade um yeah number three the first two have been very solid and it i don't well i'm curious i don't know if it's a series that would work if you don't understand the character going into it but mm. it's you know it works very well with porter angle from the character's perspective cool nice one um, of these days i'll get you hooked on the high republic I know. I know. I would. I would love to. Um, I'd love to explore all areas of Star Wars of which I'm not familiar. Um, what's? Oh no, no. The 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 Jedi survivor and Jedi Fallen Order guy, Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis. That's. It's pre New Hope, right? Yes. Jedi are like still in hiding. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of in the right. same era as all the other stuff. Well, it's like, like Rebels. Rebels and Andor and Andor, yeah, yeah okay. Sorry, yeah. not that all the other stuff, not the post uh, Return <laughs> no, of yeah. the Jedi, all the other stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, or the Clone Wars, all the other stuff. Um, and speaking of which, like you know, I, like I, again, uh, just to talk about Star Wars more, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I've been watching Clone Wars with my son. And it makes me want, like, why don't you do, can I get a show, a series like this, but takes place within the original trilogy somewhere? Like, maybe between Empire and Jedi, like, but, like, with tangent characters, you know, you know, Han and Leia and Luke, whatever, they appear every once in a while, but they're not, you know, like, I don't know. Like, give us, like, we spend so much time with the Clone Wars, we spend so much time in, like, prequel land. And Rebels is like still kind of prequel land, but it's closer to the original trilogy, so it feels original trilogy. But like, yeah. I would love something just like directly like between the two movies, like they did with Clone Wars, like get, bridge a gap. And there's not a huge gap, but you could tell stories there. I don't I know. Mean, there's twenty I want years. More... Yeah, like I guess was I was literally want, born, like, it, and then he was a twenty year old. So yeah, and there's I don't know. Even if you even if uh, the series was between all three movies, or something, like it doesn't always just doesn't just have to be between. A New Hope and Empire or whatever, but 
it would just be a way to get more of those characters, I guess, on the screen. Like you get more, you can get more Luke, Han, Leia, um, where you can't in live action anymore because either the characters are dead or, you know, in the tragic case of Carrie Fisher, the actress is dead and Harrison Ford's not coming back. Right. So, um, or they're older Although, than you want them to be you, in this situation. You know, like if you're not great. watching shrinking, go do that now. Uh, oh, I'm not. absolutely amazing. Uh, Harrison oh, Ford okay. is, he, he's hilarious in it. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Um, anyway, Dave Filoni, I know you listen to this podcast, John Favreau animated series during the original trilogy, Luke, Leia, Han, all that kind of stuff. Make it happen. I mean, they um, could literally like fill in the gaps in there with storylines from the comics. Yeah. Like the, the ongoing yeah. Star Wars, uh, the original, the first run uh, was in between A New Hope and Empire. And this current run is in between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There or even like, or put it after Return of the Jedi, you know, yeah. and cover some of that time. And then it's... Then it's not a thing where we have to see. I even I've said this in the past that I want a Luke Skywalker series that takes place after Return of the Jedi, um, but I kind of pulled back on that when I rewatched some of the way that they did him in Boba Fett, and I was like, eh, the di- the delivery of the dialogue isn't that great. But if you give me like the guy that voices him in, you know, video games, and as a voice. And you give me like a the in the style of style of animation of Clone Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. yo, I'm watching that show like crazy. And you can do whatever you want because it's animation. There's no limitations on the age of the actor or whatever. Like, you can do it. Do yeah. it. It seems like it seems like money. I guess you'd have to get the guy them to sign off. But like, who's not gonna who's not gonna sign off on that? Right. And I mean, yeah. There's there's nothing weird about voice actors being different actors. No, that that's all of Clone Wars. Right. <laughs> they did that with. So, yeah. Except for Dee Bradley Baker. No wait, that's because yeah no because more. of it. Yeah, he was yeah. all of the different clones because Tamara Morrison right. was not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's enough Star Wars tangenting for now um but we got a couple one shots for you speaking uh earlier we mentioned the series umbrella academy um nick offerman and his wife megan mullaly and also comedian david cross have joined the cast of umbrella academy season four offerman and mullaly are playing dr gene with a g and gene with a j thibodeau uh, married community professors from new mexico and david cross is uh playing some kind of businessman uh, named Cy Grossman. And I don't remember if these are characters from the books. Cy Grossman sounds familiar, but um, I might just be thinking of Tom Cruise's character from uh, Tropic Thunder, whose name I don't remember, but seems like Cy Grossman would be a good name for that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so yes, uh, Umbrella Academy Season 4, filming. Um, Nick Offerman, obviously coming off rave reviews from his performance in The Last of Us. Um, and him and his wife are always great. David Cross is great. And I like that show. So season, the fourth and final season of Umbrella Academy coming up. And uh, it's got some good guest stars in it. Yeah. No, uh, that'll be interesting. I still haven't caught up on seasons one, two, or three. So <laughs> That's might, fine. You got some other uh, casting news, though. I do. Uh, Steven Yen is apparently going to be joining the MCU in a 
quote-unquote significant role in Thunderbolts. There is oh. literally no clue who he's playing, or who he could be playing. Um, but uh, the Walking Dead star, and well, actually, yeah, more notably on this podcast as the uh, voice of Mark in Invincible. Um, Invincible, yeah, is you know it's a it's going to be a good addition to the the crew. He's he is a good addition to I think any franchise. I feel like. He's great. Did you ever watch Walking Dead? No. No? He's great in Walking Dead. That's when I think the first time I saw him, or I might have, I don't know. I might have seen him in something else too, but I don't know. That's the first time I really saw him was Walking Dead. Uh, And like you said, great voice actor in Invincible. He was also in Nope um, that came out this past year, the horror movie that I thought was was incredible. Um, He's very good in that movie. I think he was... He's been like a rising star for a while, I think, at least like our kind of nerd roles. Yeah. And I think any franchise that scooped him up, I, th- I think this is a really good move to have him in anything. I think he's just going to keep, I don't know, being great and <laughs> doing great stuff. Was uh, um, was Nope the Jordan Peele? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So good. I've been thinking about it a lot lately to watch it again. Nice. Yeah. Um, last but not least, this, uh, this just made my head explode. I mean, Um, this is news you could hear all day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we all remember watching Hawkeye, the Disney Plus show Hawkeye, which I really, I remember really liking while I was watching it. And I find that I don't remember much of it at all (laughs) when I think back about it. I Um, remember... Florence Pugh's weird ass accent. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember liking her in it. I remember yeah. Kate Bishop. Like the I dynamic thought would, of all of them seemed to work very well. But what yeah. happened? I have no clue. I don't remember. There was a kingpin <laughs> in it. Yeah, he a kingpin. That's that's a good way to say it. Um, but anyway, one of the things that happened in Hawkeye, I think it was the first episode of Hawkeye. Uh, he went to see a musical. That musical was called Rogers the Musical. Um, a musical depiction of the life of Steve Rogers. That musical, of course, now is going to exist in real life. Not on Broadway, I guess, yet. Um, But it's going to um, be performing for a limited time at Disney's California Adventure Park, which is a uh, park right next to Disneyland in Anaheim, California, uh, performing at the Hyperion Theater there. It's like a one-act musical so not like a full two hour three hour thing but you know one act musical uh just done as like kind of a show in the park on that stage steve what do you <laughs> what do you think about uh rogers the musical would you would you go to see rogers the musical i feel like i would just as a musical guy <laughs> but yeah uh yeah that that'll be that'll be interesting it just seems to me like the whole point of this scene in hawkeye was that this was dumb. Like, this was, like... Right, it the, was the a, ridiculousness of it. And he's, like, having a hard time sitting through this terrible thing. I mean, yeah, he's got a personal relationship with it or whatever, but I was like, I think this is supposed to be over-the-top and, like, eye-rolly <laughs> because we know this would be insane if they did it in real life. It's just now they're doing it in real life, so I'm like, what do you... How do you want me to react to this? Like, right. I thought you told me you told me that I thought this was supposed to be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, that sounds right. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure um, it out. I'm sure we'll figure it out someday. You know, our 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 good friend of the pod and guest on our Ant Man review, Matt Pesada, someday he will go to this uh, Cal- Disney California adventure, being the Disney lover that he is, and he will witness Rogers the musical, and then we can have him on, and he can tell us all about it. There we go. All right. Cool. Well, that is all I got, Steve. You got anything else? No, no, that's about it. I would say uh, if you would like to continue to listen to our dulcet tones in your ears, you should subscribe to the podcast, uh, subscribe on YouTube, You know, ring the bell to let you know when we're going to be hanging around and talking to you guys. Um, hopefully I can have that working again soon on Twitch. Um, follow us there. Do whatever you got to do to get us in your ear holes. And uh, we'll you know keep doing this and see what happens. We're coming up on 100 episodes here, Mike. I know. What did you? Say? We're at ni- this is the 98th is episode. 98. 98. That's insane. Yeah. Um. So, oh, okay. So this is a good thing to mention. Like we're we're doing an episode next week, but then the following week, I don't know if we're going to do an episode because I'm going to be out of town. I may I may I, have a guest lined up to uh, to sub. So okay. Because I can't do Sunday, and I can't do that following Monday, I don't think, either. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, right. we'll figure that out. But just a heads up um, for all of you. But, yeah, so I guess, and when we come back, so wait, if you, oh, now there's my question. If you have a guest lined up, does that count as our 100th episode? So I've never titled a uh, an episode without both of us on it as a uh, numbered episode in our okay. in my files, so... Yeah, I guess, I mean, you at home might be listening to this saying, they've definitely done more than 100 episodes. We're, we're counting mainline week, weekly wrap-up episodes, not all the trailer reactions and movie reactions and show reactions yep. and things like that. So, yes, in reality, we've done way more than 100, but as far as 100 weekly wrap-up episodes, that's what we're talking about. So, um, all right, so then I guess then when we come back, late March will be our 100th episode, and I'm sure it'll just be a giant extravaganza. I'm sure. <laughs> As you can tell, we've thought a lot about this. And we've by that, I mean we it. saw it in the files earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, when we do have our 100th episode, I will have been to um, Galaxy's Edge. Oh, there you go. Star Wars land, so uh, I can tell you all about my experience there. Um, at least so yeah. maybe then you know if, if that counts as a giant celebration of our 100th episode then there you have it problem solved we've already got problem our solved <laughs> <laughs> all right but we will be back next week and so stay tuned for that and that's all we got so until next time thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you in the multiverse <laughs>